Hello, I'm Derek Walker, pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're continuing our study in the book of Revelation, and we are looking at the order of events of the battle or the war of Armageddon leading up to the second coming of Christ. And we'll be particularly looking at the signs in the heavens that are going to happen just before Jesus returns. So far, we've seen, number one, this in the sequence of events, the first the sixth bowl of wrath in Revelation 16 that initiates the gathering of all the armies of the world to Israel just a few weeks before the return of Christ. And then secondly, the Antichrist gathers the armies of the world to Megiddo in particular in Israel. And this is, Armageddon actually means the hill of Megiddo, a strategic location in the north of Israel overlooking the Jezreel Valley, a perfect place for the gathering of large armies. But this is just the initial gathering place from which the armies move to cover the whole of the land of Israel and into Jordan too. These armies then move south toward Jerusalem and Judea, Judea and so that Jerusalem comes under siege. And at this point, Zechariah 12.9 tells us that the Lord is now personally ready to come and destroy these invading armies. It shall be in that day that I'll seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. But he cannot do so unless the national repentance of Israel happens first. And that takes place in Zechariah 12.10 all the way through chapter 13. And then the Lord can return in Zechariah 14 to save Israel. Fourthly, the Antichrist armies also go further southeast to Petra or Bosra in South Jordan to try and destroy the believing remnant of Israel who fled there at mid-tribulation. And then fifthly, what we saw last time was the national repentance of salvation and salvation of Israel happens two days before the Lord's return, and that's uh, given in Hosea chapter 6. We saw last time from many scriptures that the repentance of Israel is absolutely necessary for Jesus to return to deliver Israel from the Antichrist and establish his messianic kingdom. Now both Joel and Zechariah describe the same sequence of events which confirm the centrality of the repentance of Israel. Number one, they show the, the invasion and destruction of Israel by these armies. Second, the repentance of Israel, which then results in the deliverance and the restoration of Israel by the return of Christ who judges these armies and uh, judges the nations and saves the people of Israel and establishes his kingdom. We saw this already in Zechariah. The invasion is in Zechariah 12, 1 to 9. Then the repentance, the cleansing, the rebirth of Israel in the chapter 12, 10 to the end of chapter 13. And then this results in the deliverance of Israel by the return of Christ in, and her restoration through the establishment of the kingdom on the earth and that is in Zechariah 14. Now we're going to look at Joel 2, which shows the same pattern. First, the invasion and destruction by invading armies. That's Joel 2, verse 1 to 9. And then verse 10 and 11 actually reveals God's armies are going to come. And that ultimately, they're going to deal with those armies. It says, the earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. This is the sign that the heavenly army is about to come. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? 
so that's number one, the invasion. Number two, the repentance of Israel is then described in verse 12, Joel 2.12. The response of Israel is a call to national repentance. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Then verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a flask, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, nursing maids. So this is a national repentance. Then verse 16, actually could be understood as a prayer for Christ and his bride to return from heaven to save them. It says, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. And then thirdly, after the repentance, in response to this repentance, the Lord will return to deliver and restore Israel. And the Lord's response to this invasion is dramatic. He comes out of heaven with his army and totally destroys the invading army uh, and saves and restores Israel. The sign he's about to return is a, is a universal blackout of the sun and the stars and the shaking of the universe. And that's in Joel 2.10. The earthquakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his, his army, his heavenly army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, who can endure it? And the answer to the question is, who could endure it? Only those who put their trust in Christ will be able to endure it. His response is also described in verse 18 to 32. It says, then... Then, when they repent, the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people, Israel. And he says that he'll restore Israel to the full blessings in the millennium. It says, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain, new wine and oil, and you'll be satisfied by them. I'll no longer make you a reproach among the nations. Then in verse 20, he promises to totally destroy these armies which came down from Megiddo in the north and covered the whole land of Israel. He said, I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into a barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back towards the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he's done monstrous, monstrous things. This army is so big it actually covers the whole land of Israel, but they'll all be dead. And then... Verse 21 on to 27 describes their full restoration in the millennium. And the climax of this is verse 27, which will be literally fulfilled. Then you will know that I, Christ, am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. Christ will personally dwell in Jerusalem in the midst of Israel. And then verse 28 and 29 describes the outpouring of the Spirit in that kingdom age. It will come to pass afterward, after the great and awesome day of the Lord's return, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men dream dreams, your young men see visions, and also on my men servants and my maid servants I'll pour out my Spirit in those days. You see, just as the Spirit was poured out on the church in the initial fulfillment of this prophecy, soon after the death and resurrection of Christ that brought in the new covenant, so the Spirit will be poured out again on Israel soon after her repentance and deliverance at his return, when Israel as a nation enters into the new covenant in fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. In the millennium, she will then fully enjoy all the natural and spiritual blessings of the new covenant. 
the fact that in Christ the church enjoys the new covenant now individually now we have the blessings of the new covenant but that does not mean that the prophecy of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31 will not also be fulfilled to national Israel and it will be when they repent and so Joel 2 teaches us also that the deliverance of Israel from these invading armies and her full restoration in the messianic kingdom depends on the natural depends on the national um, repentance of Israel but we haven't quite finished with Joel too because Joel verse 30 and 31 then go back to the time just before Christ returned to deliver Israel and it makes this amazing prophecy and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord these signs in the heavens declare that Christ is about to return the moon to blood signifies that God's people Israel have now repented and are saved and are covered by the blood of Christ. Therefore the conditions are met, the stage is set for Christ's return. The sun turned to darkness declares that he is now about to judge the world and put out the lights of the wicked. It also signifies that he alone will be glorified in that day so no other light will be allowed to shine. Verse 32 confirms that the basis for these dramatic events leading up to the Lord's return is the national repentance and salvation of Israel, who've called upon the Lord to save them. It says, and it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Jehovah, shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, or literally, those who escape. As the Lord has said, and among the remnant whom the Lord calls. And so, they're calling, it talks about two salvations here. Their calling on the Lord Jesus results in their spiritual salvation, which in turn leads to their natural deliverance and escape from the Antichrist by Christ's return. These, are, these signs in the heavens herald Christ's imminent return, that it's going to happen very quickly. And, and uh, these signs actually happen immediately after Israel's repentance is complete. So on the same day that Israel has finished her repentance, the sign, God immediately moves into action. There is no time for delay and he, he, the signs in the heavens take place and the second coming is very close. The, the sixth thing in our sequence of events is the siege and we saw the siege of Jerusalem. Finally Jerusalem actually falls to the Antichrist. Um, in Zechariah 12 and 13 we saw the siege of Jerusalem and that the Lord was ready to return and then we see in Zechariah 13 that the repentance of Israel the next events all happen now in very quick succession all on the same day soon after Israel repents and is saved um, Zechariah you know and uh, is saved again in Zechariah 13 Jerusalem finally falls to the Antichrist armies and that's in Zechariah 14 verse 2 he says I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem the city shall be taken all will seem hopeless but the next verse says then then just just when the city has been taken and all seems to be lost then it says the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle 
So the repentance of Israel and the capture of Jerusalem, the capital city, is the trigger for the Lord to start the final sequence of events leading up to his return in power and glory, to destroy his enemies and save his people from destruction. Even before he personally appears, he starts to take direct actions against his enemies to neutralize their power and their ability to destroy his people. And that brings us to the next point, number seven. What happens next is the destruction of Babylon the Great at the, by the seventh bowl of wrath. The first action that he takes is the final destruction of Babylon the Great, which is Antichrist's capital, and, and he destroys all his cities, all the cities of the world. In other words, he destroy, destroys his world empire. You see, the capture of, as it were, God's capital city of Jerusalem by Antichrist, that calls forth an immediate response from God, the destruction of Antichrist's capital. And this is accomplished by the pouring out of the seventh bowl of wrath. We read that in Revelation 16. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and the loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were th noises, thunderings, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city, that's Babylon, was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceeding great. Notice it's not just the destruction of the capital city, but of the whole world empire by the most massive worldwide earthquake that's ever happened. Babylon is forever destroyed. Revelation 18 gives further details of its destruction and says that it will be utterly burnt by fire. So upon Israel's repentance, two days before Christ's return, God's first act is to completely destroy Antichrist's complete world system in one day. That's actually his uh, 1,259th day of world dictatorship. This event is also described in Revelation 6 as the climactic event of the sixth seal. It says, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. This is the earthquake that caused the destruction of Babylon. And the sun became black, and here are the signs in the heavens. The sun came, became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of the heavens fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when shaken by a mighty wind. And the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. It's about to fall. And who is able to stand before the Lord? Again, we see an earthquake of unprecedented magnitude whose effects are worldwide. Soon after this judgment, there are three signs in the heavens which appear on the same day, the same day as this earthquake, this destruction of Babylon. Number one, the moon turned to blood. Number two, the sun to darkness and the stars disappearing. Number three, the sky is rolled back like a scroll to reveal something beyond it, the sign of the Son of Man, the standard of the invading heavenly army. 
And, and from the, their response, we can deduce that this standard has a picture of the throne of God and the Lamb about to return in judgment and wrath. And, the, and this sign that they see causes them to want to hide because they know that the great and terrible day of the Lord, Lord's wrath is about to happen. In other words, the destruction of Antichrist's world empire, Babylon the Great, followed by these dramatic signs in the heavens are the events that immediately precede Christ's return and they announce that it's about to happen. So as soon as Israel repents, immediately God moves into action and declares through these signs and through this judgment of Babylon that the second coming is about to happen. And so that also, by destroying the Antichrist world power and by turning the sun to darkness, it prevents the uh, Antichrist from taking any further action to destroy Israel. So on the same day that Israel's repentance is complete, there will be the greatest earthquake ever, destroying all his cities, followed by a blood moon at noon, signifying that God's people, Israel, are now covered by the blood of Christ, followed by a total blackout of the sun and the stars at 6 p.m. And this signifies the imminent arrival of the true light, the King of Kings, to judge the world. This blackout will continue throughout the final day, the, the 1260th day of Antichrist world dictatorship, which also is the last day of the Great Tribulation. And this blackout will prevent the armies of Antichrist taking any further action against Israel. This darkness, supernatural darkness, will only be broken by Christ's return in glory on the morning of the following day, which is the great and awesome day of the Lord. And, and so there'll actually be a, be a blackout for uh, over 24 hours. And then the day after that, the final day of the Great Tribulation, in the morning, Christ will appear in his glory. And then that will be the great and awesome day of the Lord. God's judgment on the invading armies and their nations will be, will be completed at Christ's return. Well, these timings of the signs in the heavens correspond to the timings of the parallel events that took place around the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, because the tribulation is actually the rerun of the original 70th week of Daniel. You'd need to see my book on Daniel's 70 weeks to understand that better. Um, two days before the resurrection of the crucifixion, there, there were the same two signs in the heavens that Joel spoke about. A supernatural blackout at noon and a blood moon at six o'clock in the evening. And in the same way, two days before the second coming, there'll be the same two signs at the same times, a blood moon followed by a total blackout. The full blood moon will signify that Israel's fully under the blood of Christ and the blackout will prevent Antichrist making any further progress in his attempt at genocide, just like God imposed the blackout on Pharaoh, a type of the Antichrist, when he was about to destroy Israel at the Red Sea. So let's look at these signs in the heavens. That's the next point. After the destruction of Babylon by this great earthquake, next we have these signs in the heavens. Joel 2.30 describes these signs just before Jesus is about to return. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. The day of Christ's return is called the great and awesome or terrible day of the Lord, meaning literally the day of the manifestation. 
his manifestation in glory. But before, before it, actually two days before it, this glorious return, there will be signs in the earth and in the heavens. The signs on the earth we've seen, the blood, fire, vapor of smoke, were fulfilled in the destruction of Babylon the Great. The signs in the heavens of the blood moon and the dark sun will happen soon after that. And uh, this prophecy, as we said, was already initially fulfilled on the day of the cross, two days before the great and awesome day of Christ's resurrection. Uh, and, and Peter in Acts 2, he declared that fact. But now there's a second fulfillment because Daniel's 70th week is rerun because of the rejection of Christ. God gives Israel another chance and he reruns the 70th week. And in that case, again, two days before the great and awesome day of the Lord's second coming, there'll be the same two signs. First, a total lunar eclipse and then a total blackout of all the lights in the universe. Not just the sun this time, but also the moon and uh, the stars also. This blackout will extend throughout the next 48 hours, the last day of the Great Tribulation. And, and so the tribulation is ended with a total blackout, which stops Antichrist, as I said, from making any further progress. And this blackout is, got, is man's last chance to repent. And if they haven't taken the mark of the beast by now. And uh, this blackout is the immediate prelude to his return. This will be followed by the day of Christ's glorious appearing when Jesus will personally destroy the armies of Antichrist at the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The blood moon will signify that all Israel, it's a full blood moon, so it will signify that all Israel is now under the blood of Christ and the stage is now set for Christ's return. And then soon after, the total blackout, which stops the armies of Antichrist in their tracks. This sun turning to darkness Cutting off of God's light signifies imminent judgment. He's about to put out the lights of the wicked. All the lights being turned off signifies that as the divine judge is about to make his physical entrance into the universe, every knee must bow before him. Thus, this supernatural darkness announces that the judge is about to appear in his glory. And all men and angels, like these stars, will have to bow to his glory. As every star will fail to shine, so no flesh will be allowed to boast before him. Imagine a majestic, powerful king. He's about to make his entrance. No one dare speak, act or move. Nothing must be allowed to display itself. A great silence heralds his appearance, for all eyes must be on him. And nothing must be allowed to distract from his glorious entrance. And so in the same way, every light must be covered, so that in his day only his glory will be seen. The extinguishing of all these lights that rule over the world by day and night also signifies that God's going to remove all rulers from their places of authority over the world, whether human or angelic, because he's coming to establish a completely new world order. This is the great and awesome day of the Lord, and only his light will be allowed to light up the world. This is the unique day that Zechariah 14 talks about. It will come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It will be a, a unique day known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time, that is at its close, it will happen that it will be light. It's a 24-hour day, and the lights will be switched back on. All lights will go out so that when Jesus returns, the only light over the earth will be his glory. He will demonstrate that he's the light of the world. The Shekinah glory will light the world just as it did in Genesis 1. 
And this will continue until the end of the day when his work is complete and then the sun, moon and stars will be allowed to appear. And Joel 2 puts the blackout just before the great and awesome day of the Lord's return and Jesus referring to the same event puts this blackout at the close of the tribulation. You see, in Matthew 24, he describes the Armageddon armies gathering like vultures to consume Israel, and then he gives the sequence of signs leading up to his coming. He says, immediately after, this is the Greek word meta, the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, they'll fail to shine, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory. And whether it says this meta, it can mean after, but it could also mean at the end of. Um, just when Jesus said I will, he would rise after three days, that's actually within the three days at their end. And so, just as the, so it's basically saying that at the end of the tribulation, the, the final day of the tribulation, in other words, the sun will be darkened and the moon turned to blood. So the tribulation will end with a total blackout that will only be broken by the glorious return of King Jesus. And this blackout, when everyone in the world will be waiting in fear for what happens next, is described also in Joel 3. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision or judgment. This will be their last chance if they haven't decided yet. It says the sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness. Isaiah 13 also describes the tribulation which ends with a total blackout. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the earth a desolation and he'll exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And finally, Joel 2, verse 10 agrees, the, hembel, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? So immediately before the Lord returns in glory, the Lord will end the tribulation with a blackout. My series on the book of Revelation, which goes right from the beginning all the way through to the end, verse by verse, is, was actually 29 messages in all of half an hour. And we've had at requests that uh, people can have the whole series together. So we've put these series on seven DVDs, and you'll get all 29 episodes on seven DVDs. And it will be £70 and you will have all of those teachings together on that DVD series which you can use to, to show in, in home groups and in different contexts. So let me encourage you to get the whole series. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.